Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Well, thank you, Billy. Welcome to another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity, traveling all across Oklahoma and catching up with folks that are making a difference for rural Oklahoma, rural America, and our great state of Oklahoma. Chad Warmington is our guest today on the road. We're making a stop here in the Oklahoma City area, just south of the state capitol, where the State Chamber of Oklahoma has their headquarters. Chad Warmington has worked for the State Chamber a couple of times. Most recently, he took on the job of president and CEO in February of this year, just ahead of all the pandemic panic that's gone along with COVID-19. We talk about that uh, transition to this new role for Chad, as well as his past experiences in the state and where he sees the state chamber playing a role in helping rural Oklahoma become a better place. Today's Road to Rural Prosperity being brought to you in part by the Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They were formed back in 1970, representing rural and small utilities across the state of Oklahoma at the state capitol. Over 550 water and wastewater utilities in rural Oklahoma are members of the ORWA. And we'll be back with today's Road to Rural Prosperity as we visit with Chad Warmington in just a few moments. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. With communities from border to border, Bank First lenders understand the needs of today's agricultural market. Whether you need to purchase land, equipment, or livestock, or maybe need an operating line of credit, call on Bank First. They are a certified lender with the Farm Service Agency and can help with specialized financing when other banks can't. Bank First is proud to serve the needs of the Sooner State's agricultural market. Bank First is loyal to Oklahoma and you. Member FDIC, loan subject to approved credit. Well, howdy, neighbors, and uh, welcome back to The Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. I'm very happy to have uh, a very special guest with us today. We're in the offices of the State Chamber of Oklahoma, and I can see that right behind you, Chad. Chad Warmington is with us today. Your title is what? CEO. Is that correct? correct. Yep, President and CEO. Now, t- tell me a little bit about uh, who Chad is. Well, that's a good question. I'm still trying to figure out who Chad is myself. Uh, but uh, what well, so, will be when you grow up? Exactly. Um, if, if maybe by the end of the podcast, if we can help define that for me, that would be great. Uh, so, uh, name's Chad Warmington. I actually was born and raised in in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, so I'm not a native Oklahoman. I know that's a really big deal to Okies. Uh, I have uh, three native Oklahoma-born children. Uh, moved here in 1996, worked for Don Nichols uh, when Don was in the U.S. Senate and then came down to work for him here uh, because I had met an Oklahoma girl. And you know what happens when you meet Oklahoma girls. <laughs> Next thing you know, you, 
you end up in Oklahoma, and you so do. she was from Guthrie. So we've been uh, been here and been married since uh, 1997. I worked for Don, and then I worked in a bunch of different political roles and at the Capitol. Um, last seven years uh, previous to this, I was a, the uh, president of the uh, Oklahoma Oil and Gas Association, which merged with the petroleum with the Oklahoma Dependent Petroleum Association. It's a lot of petroleum association uh, talk, and we formed Petroleum Alliance. So did that, and then came over here in February. So you know, for me, it's it's a continuing in a long line of jobs of, of advocating for businesses in Oklahoma and being involved in government affairs and regulatory affairs, and it's something I'm uh, I love to do, and I'm passionate. It about now a uh, couple things i, I want to kind of unpack from that but but don nichols yeah what a what a in, incredible politician uh, tell, yeah. tell me about working for don nichols. it was great he's a tremendous oklahoman he's a good man he was a great boss and uh, you know i always tell people the kind of funny story i really owe my existence to to in my family and my wife and everything to being able to work for don nichols you know like i said i'm fr- i was from michigan i had graduated from college and was trying to figure out what i wanted to do moved to dc and got a job opening up the mail in Don Nichols' office for a thousand dollar a month stipend. That was my pay, uh, but it was my job, my entry, my entree, so to speak, to to Capitol Hill. And Senator Nichols just took took us took me in, and 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 uh, I ended up being a driver for him. Spent a lot of time as a staff assistant with him, driving around back in the day when I could actually take the senator and drive up right next to the White House, literally <laughs> through the gates with his car and park right outside the West Wing. Uh, and I got to Close do that a number days, of times. Yeah. It was really, it was incredible. And so I think about how what a fortress it is now. That wasn't like that when I was there. Um, but through getting to know Don and his wife, Linda, when they found out that I had a this 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 girl in Oklahoma that I was really interested in, they were so um, nice to move a kid from Michigan to Oklahoma to work for them. Uh, and, and because of him, I've had this great career and great family here. So he was just a tremendous guy to work for and did so much for Oklahoma and was so proud of being an Oklahoman and still is. And so I uh, was very, very proud to work for Don. Now, you uh, you also mentioned the fact that uh, you arrived at the state chamber as the, the top hired hand, kind of like, like sometimes we like to say out in rural Oklahoma, yeah. the, of, uh, of the state chamber and something called COVID showed up. Yeah. So, you know, it was funny as I was chuckling to my, to my friends that had been making a joke out of it that I left the Petroleum Alliance, you know, and the industry was in, you know, some pretty tough times. And so I went from that to thinking, well, you know, I'm going to get to this broader set of issues and to, you know, this economy that's not so challenged like the oil and gas industry is. And then three <laughs> weeks later, the economy is like the worst that we've ever had and everything implodes. So I'm beginning to think it was me maybe in terms of bad timing. But yeah, it was uh, certainly a challenge to take this job at the beginning of February and then in March to have what happened with COVID. And, and then really also, you know, to have what happened with the collapse of the commodity price in Oklahoma and with the oil and gas industry being such a large part of our economy, it certainly hurts the chamber and all businesses. Of course, that means it's uh, you know obviously had impact all across the state, not just the two met- major metro areas, but you're really representing businesses well beyond Oklahoma City and Tulsa. Absolutely, we have businesses spread across you know all four corners of the state, and we represent everything from the largest businesses to the smallest ones. And so we have you know particular um, charge within our board structure that we have a requirement that we have board of directors from all parts of the state. So we've got a really good diversity of, of rural businesses 
as well uh, with Oklahoma City and Tulsa businesses. And so it's, you know, one of the unique things about a business is it doesn't matter where it is in Oklahoma. It's It kind of has similar challenges, but they also have regional challenges. And mm-hmm. our charge at the Chamber is to make sure we understand those and can work with those businesses to address them. Uh, and so we're particularly um, concerned about, you know, paying attention to what's going on in rural Oklahoma and how we as a business in a, in a business association can help those businesses. Now, you're, you're no stranger to the state chamber. You had worked here previously as well, right? Correct. Yeah, I had, I had been here. I had left the – I was chief of staff of the Oklahoma House of Representatives from 2004 uh, to 2010, and then it came down to the state chamber from 2010 to 2013. Uh, it was a great opportunity to come down here and work with a great team that, that was led by the previous president, Fred Morgan, and learned a ton and then took that experience over to run uh, an association on my own, which is the Oklahoma Oil and Gas Association. So this is my second stint at the chamber, uh, and I'm super excited to be here and, and really love the challenge and the mission that we have here. One, one thing I'm sure that some folks uh, that are listening to us today, uh, Chad, uh, may, may get a little confused as far as, you know, you've got the local community or county chamber of commerce, but then you've got the state organization. How, how, do, how does that what, – what's the synergy there? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and I'm glad you asked it. I mean, you know, when you say chamber, it kind of denotes certain things to certain people, and particularly in rural Oklahoma. The chambers are, are really important in terms of being able to network and advocate for businesses in those areas. You know, our focus is really 23rd and Lincoln, and so we don't really spend a whole lot of time on uh, economic development or networking opportunities that are localized that more of a, a local chamber would do. Mm -hmm. Our focus is really advocating for businesses at 23rd and Lincoln, whether that's at the state legislature or in the courts or in the regulatory arenas that are up there. So we're we're like completely different in in one sense, and we're very good partners, I think, in another with local chambers who can focus on the needs of their businesses there, and then they can rely on us to make sure that we're looking out for business as as it is impacted by the decisions being made here at the Capitol in Oklahoma City. So our, uh, you know, say businesses maybe a member of the local chamber and then also the state chamber? Absolutely. Many of them are, um, are, are members of both. And we encourage that because, again, there's two different purposes there. Um, we want to really be good partners to local chambers, and, and I think we are, but I think businesses benefit from being both members of their local chamber and the state chamber because of the two different purposes. We're talking today with Chad Warmington, who's, uh, of course, with the State Chamber of Oklahoma, State uh, Chamber of Commerce, if you want to call it that, of Oklahoma. And, and Chad, you know, you uh, uh, have uh, said, obviously, that you're focused on, on what's going on at the state capitol and everything goes on within state government that has impact back to businesses. Uh, how, do, how do you organize, you know, I guess, your interaction with the government, because you're you're trying to obviously maybe have influence on on legislative activities, on regulatory decisions that are made in the various uh, agencies, as well as in the governor's office. You've got a lot of, I guess, a lot of balls in the air. Yeah, we really do. I think where where it all starts for us is with our policy committees, and we have ten to twelve, and we're working on doing some streamlining of those. But where we where we really begin the fall is is asking those policy committees that are you know focused on either transportation infrastructure tax and regulatory issues you know what are the issues that are current challenges for them and so our our agenda bubbles up through the members 
um, articulating to us what the challenges that they're experiencing are, where we could be impactful in terms of legislation, uh, either proactively to fix something or maybe to defend something, a piece of legislation that would impact them negatively. So our charge comes from the members throughout those policy committees. So we have this big, wide-open feedback loop throughout the fall that kind of begets our, our, our legislative agenda for, um, you know, the first Tuesday in February when the legislative session begins. Right. And, you know, obviously you walked into the kind of the front end of what turned out to be a very unusual legislative session here in 2020. Absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, pretty remarkable. We had really strong plans for things we wanted to get done, and that all got uh, uh, shut down pretty quickly. And then it became focusing on how to get um, the critical pieces of the legislation in order to deal with COVID-related impacts. Those were the top priority. So for us, particularly, was working on liability protection for businesses. So if a business was trying to meet the demands of PPE requirements or sanitizer or, or any of the other things that we hadn't really anticipated, and was doing it in a way in which um, they were, you know, following the best practices and the guidelines. We didn't want them to be held um, legally liable for trying to do the right thing and produce the goods and services that Oklahomans needed um, with a really very uncertain environment. So we put in some place and got were able to get past some liability protection uh, for businesses that were doing the right thing. Now, again, if you're doing the wrong thing and you were being negligent, those things would still, um, you know, be. Uh, perfectly appropriate to have the legal system addressed. But if you were trying to do the right thing, we didn't want a business to get unfairly penalized in the legal system for that. Right. Talking today, Chad Warmington for the uh, State Chamber of uh, of Oklahoma, uh, one of the uh, organizations that you find kind of along this quarter up and down the Lincoln Avenue, Lincoln Boulevard area in uh, in Northeast Oklahoma City. Uh, Chad, we're thank you, uh, for, appreciate you being along with us today here on the Road to Rural Prosperity, and we're going to continue here in just a few moments. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. Headquartered in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center envisions a quality public education for every child in Oklahoma, and their mission is to drive transformation and increased academic achievement within Oklahoma's public education system. The Resource Center is a nonprofit organization that provides essential resources, professional development, and technical assistance to the state's public schools. They advocate for high-quality instruction for all Oklahoma students and support increasing classroom innovation to provide them a challenging, globally competitive education. Welcome back. Glad to have you folks along with us today on the road to rural prosperity. And Chad, we, we've had this particular podcast series going for about a year now. We've tried to talk about some of those top 10 outcomes that the governor has kind of alluded to during his first campaign and, and has uh, continued to try to follow through during the early years of his uh, first first term as uh, the governor of our great state. Uh, one of the things that, he, that he's talked a lot about is this idea of making sure that we're friendly to business and uh, inviting business to come in and expand, hopefully, uh, within our borders. 
Yeah, I, I think the governor's done a tremendous job of realizing that that expansion uh, and and the opportunity to be great uh, isn't just you know in the major metropolitan areas. I think he's done a really good job of being um, of not really of having had a, a a real solid understanding of rural Oklahoma. He's done a really good job of of digging into it and learning more about it. Um, you know, politically, it's smart for him to do, but I also think he's just passionate because he really says it, and he when he says it, he means it. He's the governor of all four million Oklahomans, and that means you know a Tulsa or Oklahoma City resident, and, and or a resident in Woodward, or you know down in uh, Broken Bow. Either way, um, he's passionate about making sure that Oklahoma is is top ten in all the ways that those people can survive and thrive wherever they are located in Oklahoma. He's done a really good job of that, and you know economic development is is the exact same way. It, it doesn't matter where it occurs; it's good for Oklahoma if we do a good job of it. So what's what's the role of the chamber as far as when it comes to economic development, especially in rural areas of our state? Yeah, our our main job is again, you know, to partner with our our local chambers and making sure that the regulatory and the legislative and legal environments are 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 friendly to and conducive for building a business wherever that business is. And so, if there are challenges to that, our job is to go up to the Capitol and advocate for changes or to to defend legislation that may make it harder for those businesses to to. Um, grow and thrive in urban or rural Oklahoma. So again, we don't too much get involved directly with the companies that may be particularly experiencing the issues as much as we're trying to figure out the, the, the ways that we can be impactful in the regulatory and legal environments that they're having to operate under. So that's where our partnerships with our local chambers are really important to tell us what those challenges, those barriers are so that we can go address them at the Capitol. So when you you start thinking about trying to you know improve the lives of of Oklahoma, it's where they live, but you know, especially in rural parts of our states, what we're really interested in, in today, mm-hmm. you know, the idea of trying to find better paying jobs, mm-hmm. a, a better way, and then all the all the life lifestyles inter- infrastructure goes along. Is that is that is that key? You think? Absolutely. I mean, I think that um, th- again, the barriers that uh, you know a business faces in Oklahoma City. In rural Oklahoma, aren't all that different, but there are differences, and I think our job is to to understand that uh, and to engage with you know uh, rural business leaders and rural chambers across the state to make sure we understand those differences, and then and then go to bat for them. Um, and I think you know I think 2020 has really exposed some really great things about Oklahoma too. When you look at the diversity of our agriculture industry in the state of Oklahoma, how our state was able to really persevere through you know the supply chain shortages that we had. I think you know there's a lot of people that. Would would have loved to have um, had the opportunity to you know continue a good supply of meat, for instance, or dairy products, or all the agriculture products that Oklahoma's agriculture industry produces. We didn't have as much of that shortage here, and I think that's a really distinguishing difference. Um, and because we've got such a well-run system here, we were able to get through that better than others. I think we did learn that there's some opportunities for Oklahoma to do a lot better and to help. Um, you know, offset some of the challenges that other states faced. I know that, you know, Blaine Arthur, Secretary Arthur, has done a really tremendous job of trying to put some of those CARES dollars together, those federal money together. Uh, a great example is on meat processing plants and what she's right. doing there to make sure that we have, um, don't just have the large facilities that are the federally run facilities, but we have smaller, more custom facilities too, that Oklahoma producers can get access to those to move their goods, uh, um, you know, and meat products to, to market. And And so I think for us, it's you know, been a, a tremendous opportunity to see where we can even do better, and I think we're going to come out of this on the other side, frankly, better than we were before, which is a, which is a tremendous statement. 
I guess what uh, you mentioned, the CARES Act, the, the $10 million that the uh, Department of Ag has, has allocated, the money's out there being uh, I- implemented by, by these companies that were selected. And I guess what, a lot more demand, a lot, a lot of re- more requests than just money available. Yeah. And, you know, uh, yes, and that's a good sign that Oklahomans were ready to step up to the challenge. I think, you know, the biggest, the biggest issue was the requirements that that money is spent very quickly. So you had to have a plan uh, for, in, for this program or for, frankly, any program even the money that the governor put into the funds for smaller businesses to get access to, you had to be able to put it to work now. I mean, they wanted that money getting out into the economy and stimulating the economy now. And then, frankly, it all has to be spent by the end of the year or it's got to go back to the federal government. So, you know, businesses that were able to get up and take advantage and put together a a plan were able to tap in and access some of those funds. And that's a good thing. And I think Oklahoma citizens are going to benefit from that for years to come. I know that uh, in some of your areas of, uh, of uh, I guess, issues that are listed uh, on, on the chamber uh, uh, web, website, the, the, the state's chamber website, uh, and energy and natural resources are, are one, one area. Uh, there's some interest, you know, the areas of interest within agriculture, rural Oklahoma there, groundwater, uh, uh, private property rights. It seems like those are a couple of hallmarks that are common with, with your organization as well as some of the key agricultural groups in the state. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly on those issues, we're really well aligned with uh, cattlemen's and farm bureaus and others. We join in on MECAS briefs through the courts together. Uh, we'll work uh, particular uh, regulatory issues together because they, because they aren't unique. And I think the power of us having the voice of business and agriculture, because they're really kind of the same in terms of agriculture businesses, um, together is a, is a powerful thing when we can be united on that. And so we're particularly, um, you know, uh, proud to partner with those organizations. I mean, you know, for instance, uh, working with the Farm Bureau on regulatory issues, it's a, it's a powerful entity when you can have those two groups together, um, when we can, you know, either file objections together or amicus briefs together or even legislation that impacts those things, whether it's on water issues or eminent domain and property rights. Those are, those are areas where, where I believe it's really important politically for us to be together on those things. Things, and we do a really good job of it. You know, if it's regulatory issues, everyone knows Marla Peak over the Farm Bureau. She's one of the people that you want to have, you know, in the tent with you when you're getting those things uh, done. And so we you know we value those relationships um, so that, you know, we can strengthen each other to make a really good argument for why this is good for agriculture and business for whatever the position might be. That's yeah. where that's where the real bang for the buck comes from our members is that we can work together in coalitions to get things done. As you uh, as you think about that, the uh, I guess the proverbial elephant in the room right now when it comes to uh, regulatory issues and a lot more legal wise is the Supreme Court ruling uh, against the state of Oklahoma regarding the the Creek Nation. You know, where what what are you doing to monitor that? In other words, how, how do we make sure that? that Oklahoma comes out on top in this as far as, you know, a, a win-win for everybody. Yeah, no doubt. Well, it, it's, it was a very impactful ruling. We're, we're fortunate that we have a number of the tribes as members of ours, and they're great partners, and they're great business partners uh, of many Oklahoma businesses, and, 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 and in particular that of the, of the chamber. And, you know, what, what I've done is I've been trying to figure out, working with the tribes, how do we do a really good job of our 
articulating what are the real impacts of McGirt? Because there's a lot of people that are running around, you know, preaching sky is falling and mm-hmm. things are going to be terrible. Uh, but I don't know that we really legally know what the real impacts are yet. And so one of the things I've been preaching is let's be patient. Let's be a little bit cautious. Let's not be reactionary and all the bad things that could happen. And in my conversation with the tribes, you know, they they are very concerned as well. They don't they want Oklahoma to succeed. I mean, obviously, they, they need to make sure that they're looking out for their for their members and they have their sovereignty issues that they always are going to want to protect, but they're good Oklahomans and they don't want Oklahoma to suffer and be less competitive because of the uncertainties around McGirt. That being said, I don't think we know exactly what it is we need to address. So we need to work together with the tribes, with the business industry, and with our particular our federal delegation to determine if there's anything we can and should do to provide that clarity and that certainty for businesses, whether they're rural or urban businesses, on how McGirt may impact them going forward. I, th- I think we, there's a lot we don't know, um, but I think the best way we're going to get it done is working with the tribes and our federal delegation to figure out if there's things that need to be addressed and then do them together. Uh, you know, compacting or, or many other venues to address those issues so that we can take that uncertainty out and make sure people understand Oklahoma is still a good place to invest and do business. I guess what uh, your former boss, a part of that commission that the uh, the governor is named to try to interact and, and hopefully uh, find help find some of these solutions. Absolutely. I think they've done some tremendous work on the on the Cooperative Sovereignty Commission and I think, you know, I think where the state chamber wants to step up is and do the same thing where we can start identifying maybe those areas of concern and focus in on those versus um, getting too concerned about what could be and all the potential bad ramifications. Let's really start addressing them one one thing at a time um, and, 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 and get some clarity together. That's that's our job is to help provide some clarity there. We get calls all the time about McGirt. And so we're, we're trying to just walk people through and point them toward cases that may have some bearing on that. Um, but again, clarity is what we're looking for. And I think we'll get it by working with our federal delegation and the tribes um, and, and, and finding a way for Oklahoma to get a win out of this. Finally, I uh, thought we might talk a little bit about uh, this whole concept of uh, of Oklahoma as a business destination, you know the 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 governor. I think we mentioned earlier that they they've talked about the idea of Oklahoma uh, is a is a great place for folks to come to you know plant plant uh, the 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 their organization their companies lives of of their people and uh, they're going to find a lot of uh, friendly regulations going to find a great tax climate. Uh, how how does how does the chamber figure in to some of this recruitment? Uh, that's going on uh, by the state and by you know folks that are interested in uh, at least checking us out. Yeah, I think our job is to make sure we protect that that environment that makes Oklahoma one of the best places to build and start a business. And I think the governor did a really good job of of articulating throughout the early parts of COVID too. He had a great line that I stole off, and then he said, you know, Oklahoma's made for social distancing. We've got plenty of space and lots of opportunity for you to be able to be socially distant and still do what you need to do. Uh, and he was very, uh, um, very, very conscious about fighting to make sure that, you know, business was being considered in the decisions in terms of quarantines and shutting things down because he knew that the impact was great to business and then therefore is to the all the employees and the employers and, and everybody who was impacted by business. 
our job is to make sure that the government doesn't get too far out ahead of itself in terms of, um, you know, reacting or maybe overreacting to COVID or any other kind of challenge that comes before us. And to make sure that, you know, um, mandates are, are kept to a minimum and that, um, you know, that business isn't asked to do things that are going to be very detrimental to it um, when maybe there isn't the, you know, the data or the evidence to back that up. I think the governor has done a tremendous job of protecting all Oklahomans through this time. And I think the, the chamber's job is to make sure that you know we're keeping the legislature informed about the needs of businesses during these really challenging times there certainly are going to be things that need to be changed and adapted our job is to is to kind of uh, come you know articulate that as one cohesive message of business and it wouldn't be complete if we didn't factor rural oklahoma into that as well which is why it's so important for us to have our rural oklahoma partners when we articulate that business message it's to businesses everywhere around right. the state that we're talking about. And it's, it's important to me to do that. I guess part and parcel of all of that is uh, what's going to happen uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the elections, but most certainly following that, the state legislative session for 2021. Uh, everybody's talking about huge budget problems, and I know that you're going to be watching that closely. No doubt. There, we're going to certainly be challenged with the budget. You can't be when you um, – you can't avoid it when, when – a such a large part of your economic uh, engine is the oil and gas industry, uh, and you've got uh, you know is, is a challenging environment as we have. I mean, we went from 140 rigs running in Oklahoma to 11. I mean, just the economic impact of that alone is pretty significant. And then you, on top of that, you take you know uh, WTR, the price of oil in the 40 dollar range when it was you know 100 plus before. I mean, so th- that gross production tax drives a lot of revenue as well. So not only do we have less money being spent on the infrastructure and the development of new wells, we're getting less money from the products we're actually producing. So that is a huge weight on the Oklahoma budget. Add layer in the COVID effects, layer in the you know the rising cost of health care and all those other things, it's going to be a challenging budget environment this time around. And I think, again, the Chamber's job is to partner and to make sure that that burden isn't disproportionately put on business and make it even worse for a lot of Oklahomans. And so we're going to have to be good partners with the legislature in trying to figure out how to pay for some of those things. And I think there's some things that we can offer as solutions that can help them. And again, that's our member's job is to help us help members, the members of the legislature, uh, work their way through that in a way that's least impactful to business because businesses impact everyone across the state. We all have jobs and we all want to be employed and and uh, the decisions that they make impact those things. And so, um, again, we need to be a watchdog and work with them. And at the end of the day, we need to be a resource for the legislature that they can get good information and make good decisions based on good data. One bright note for uh, Oklahoma, uh, the uh, the young people of our state. I know that you've had a chance to uh, recently join the uh, board of directors of the Oklahoma Youth Expo, uh, world's largest junior livestock show, and uh, if anything's top ten in uh, in the state, it's the young people that are involved with that. No doubt about it. I mean, I, I can't be more honored to be involved with the Youth Expo. It, it is such a tremendous entity and organization and it's so well run and the staff is just excellent um there's so many things going on with the youth expo staff right now that people don't know about that i mean talk about an economic development engine right now i mean we're bringing in shows that are getting canceled in other parts of the country to oklahoma we're able to get hotel rooms filled up and restaurants and uh we're getting ready to have um uh, you know, was it 5,000 head of, head of livestock come here in early December that from the canceled Denver show? And, and, 
and only because we have such a well-oiled machine um, at the Youth Expo and the staff and the state fairgrounds are we able to attract that here. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, what a great example of Oklahoma really stepping up and filling um, a need and being able to be able to uh, replace, you know, not replace that show, but certainly give an outlet for those people that would have been able to been showing there. And, and then the tremendous economic benefit of bringing that to Oklahoma. So I, I just, I love being involved with Youth Expo from, you know, from what it does with for kids all across the state and showing and raising those lives stock to how we're able to do that and bring in and attract these other shows um, that w- that are in, you know being postponed or canceled in places. I mean, what an economic development is and the Youth Expo is in and of itself. And so I just couldn't be more honored to be a part of that. And I tell you what, I mean, it, and, I, and I'm going to encourage my members, if you want to come out and see the best and brightest that Oklahoma has to offer in terms of our kids, go to the Youth Expo and go out and, and, and learn about the time and the effort and the money that these kids are putting into these animals. Um, and, and you know, it's it's an entrepreneurial class that, you know, you just don't get everywhere else. Right. You get by showing livestock in Oklahoma. It's just tremendous. And I've been so impressed with the people that I've met and the kids that I've met that have come out of that program. It's just a jewel for Oklahoma, and I'm super proud to be a part of it. And uh, most certainly want to keep everybody safe, but the commitment's been made uh, by uh, staff and the the leadership uh, it is going to happen in March 2021. Absolutely, yeah. You, the show is going to go on. We're going to do it well. We're going to do it safely, uh, and uh, it's it's. I'm excited. I can't wait. Very good, Chad. Thank you so, so much for your time, Chad Warming, to join, join us today, CEO Oklahoma State uh, Chamber, and uh, we wish wish you well as you. Uh, I guess you're going to be able to maybe get through a normal year. I'm looking forward maybe, to maybe it. in 2021. Maybe, 20, maybe. 2021 yeah. surely will be better than 2020. I'm excited for it. We, we appreciate you being along the road to rural prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and oklahomafarmreport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the Funk Companies.